This podcast is proudly part of the Kaiju Ramen Podcast Network. If you'd like to check out more Kaiju and Tokusatsu goodness, go to kaijuramenmedia.com. Shin! Standing by. Complete. Greetings, heroes of the internet. I'm Travis. I'm Nathan. And I'm August Fregoni. And you're not. <laughs> and we are the Henshin Men, a podcast that celebrates Japanese superheroes and their high-flying and high-kicking adventures. In this installment, we will be discussing Kamen Rider episodes 52 and 53. My name is Girogaras, the ominous birdman. Orinonawa, Kaichojin, Giragaras. Shocker's mutant Girogarasu transforms himself into a crow and kills the residents of a condo building. Ichimanji goes to investigate and is attacked by the mutant's poisonous dead man gas. The people are affected, furiously commit murder amongst themselves. Ichimanji escapes and goes to a hospital to be treated. The poison gas also affects cyborgs, who breathe the gas and experience a complete shutdown of all cybernetic functions. Gilras comes to the hospital to kill Ichimonji, but Takashi Hongo lies in wait for the mutant and pretends to be affected by the gas in order to gain entry to Shocker's base. Meanwhile, Gilras attempts to release the gas in the air above Tokyo, but Ichimonji, who recovers thanks to a special serum brought by Hongo from Europe, appears to challenge the mutant. Hongo enters the fray and the Double Riders finally defeat Gilgaras. Dr. Death leaves for South America and Ichimonji follows him there to try and stop the expansion of Shocker's power. Hongo returns to defend Japan full-time as Kamen Rider number one. Hello, faithful listeners of Henshin Men. We have gotten to a pair of momentous episodes of the original Kamen Rider, and this is a momentous episode of our show. So momentous, in fact, we had to get on our show the one guy who is a bigger fan of Kamen Rider than Travis, Mr. August Ragone, the one and only. <laughs> oh, boy, I'm glad there's no more. Uh, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we are is... so happy to have you on, and and let me just say, it is so happy to have someone who actually knows Japanese uh, read the episode titles, <laughs> <laughs> because we've been fumbling for the last, what is it, 32 episodes, 35 episodes that we've been doing. <laughs> Something hey, like man. that. <laughs> you, you know, it's, just, it's, all, it's all about just doing it, man. Just keep doing it. <laughs> just own it, yeah, just own it, and it's... I want to share this story just very quickly so we can just get to the episode. It's so funny how this came about. It's very serendipitous because I just randomly tagged you, Mr. Ragone, on Twitter talking about uh, talking with one of our listeners about Super Inframan because you had written an essay oh, yeah. for the DVD release of it. And yeah. you're like, oh, wait, is that what it said? Because <laughs> I just randomly said it. was like, oh, I guess I am... Uh, August, we're going to stand corrected. <laughs> I didn't think I thought it was it was a shot in the dark. I didn't think anything was going to come of it. And then you actually engaged with us. And you're like, oh, yeah, here, let me explain a little well, bit I, more. I'm like, oh, my I gosh. Mean, you know, <laughs> no, thanks. man. I mean, I, I I'm, I'm a first and foremost, I'm a fan. I've always been a fan. 
You know, I'm not like some guy trying to sit on a throne and lord over stuff as much as some yes. people might, might think I am. <laughs> but it's like that's why I engage fans. There's, you know, there there are other people in various fandoms who are quote unquote super fans that will not talk to the people, the commoners, you know, and I like Mm -hmm. talking about this stuff and who do I have to, I don't, you know, nobody, nobody in my family wants to hear it. You have to to bounce it off. You have to talk to other fans, you know? Yes. You don't have that. You're just muttering to yourself in a room. Yeah, or your your own personal cabal of your your clique of five people that you know, you know, that you just all go, yes. yeah, we really love this. Yeah. You know, we're going to keep we're going to keep we're going to keep it. We're going to keep it from everyone else. <laughs> only, we deserve to, only we deserve to love it. Uh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> well, actually, that's a good yeah, segue yeah. into uh, if for anyone who may ha- uh, have just kind of gotten into tokusatsu, because we want to make this podcast available for people who are not just mm-hmm. super fans, but also new fans. Uh, if anybody is right. not aware of who August Ragone is, uh, would you like to kind of give a little bit about yourself? Uh, okay, well, you know, instead of the usual thing, which is sort of like, I got into this stuff when I was a kid and blah, 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 which is true. You know, uh, I was lucky to have a Japan town in here in San Francisco and discovered a lot of this stuff. I was already watching like Godzilla and Ultraman and all that as a kid. And then this whole mm-hmm. other world was opened up for me to through Japanese imports, you know, and then trading tapes, VHS tapes with pen pals in Japan and yeah. stuff like that. You know, it's like, oh, you want episodes of the, the you know, the, the adventures of, what was it? I can't remember the name of the, the name of the show, the secrets of Matthew Starr, you know, send me common writer, you know? So, you know, we did, did all that, but at the same time, I mean, I was with, with other people uh, in, in the San Francisco Bay area, you know, dragging uh, VCR around to, uh, various conventions and just setting up and going like, look at all this crazy Japanese stuff, you know, trying to get more people into it, whether it was we were, you know, running anime marathons or, or Kamen Rider, Tokusatsu Marathon, Super Sentai stuff, whatever I was receiving in uh, other people that I uh, was uh, friends with, you know, whatever, if they were also getting tapes from Japan or whatever, we would sort of like work together and, and try to, and put together things. And we did an, an event uh, where we did just that, uh, and it was uh, that's a whole other story unto itself. Doesn't really matter right now. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is, we you know the whole the whole point of of me trying to do this stuff is is to share it with other people and to turn people onto it. Because if you're the only kid going like, I know this thing called Common Writer, and you don't know anything about it, and I'm not going to share it with you, so there, ha, huh? that's, like, nah. that's dumb. <laughs> So we're like, yes. watch here, watch this crazy stuff. I think it's cool. Maybe you'll think it's cool too. And maybe by doing that, actually, I'm trying to validate, <laughs> you know, that's, that's the mm-hmm. selfish part, trying to validate that it actually is good. And I am not just insane for liking yes. this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like if other people think it's cool too, then I'm not crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you totally hit the the impetus of this of this show because uh, that's kind of how this show got started. Was uh, you know with the with the big 
tokusatsu boom that we're having now uh Tsuburaya right. is sending over through mill creek we're getting all these ultraman shows and i was yep. the common writer fan amongst a sea of ultraman fans and i'm like you guys love ultraman right. well you really like common writer you should watch common writer everybody's like <laughs> what this weird other like you're watching Ultraman you would love Kamen Rider and so I got tired of trying to convince <laughs> my friends right. to watch Kamen Rider and then focused on one Nathan and we decided to do this podcast as a way of kind of like hey nice. the, here's Kamen Rider here's all the yeah. great things about it go watch it <laughs> that's kind of what our point mm-hmm. of the right. show is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah August great. you've been uh, kind of ahead of the game for a while you've uh, authored books you've done movie commentaries i mean i i know you from uh, like your commentaries and your introductions on the uh, gamma arrow set right. and uh, you've got several books to your name you've been well, one, a one very outspoken just fanboy for common writer you know <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, there was one point where it was like me and like again, like you know, three or four people that I knew that were really into it. You know, I, within or you know, with I mean, at one point, <laughs> at one point, you would think you were the only three people in America that liked Common Rider, and then you'd kind of like you know, find out, through, <laughs> you know, networking with people that there were other people that you know had seen it or were interested in it, uh, but it was a very small group. I mean, it was you know a sub sub category of of for a long mm-hmm. time. Because you would, you know, meet up with other fans of Japanese fantasy cinema and television, and those who were aware of Common Rider may not have seen it or seen it, and were like, "Oh, oh, you mean monsters and go-go boots?" You know, um, <laughs> and, and go like, that sounds like minute. the title of something. That sounds like yeah. a band name: Monsters and Go-Go Boots. <laughs> Or, or a DVD collection from something weird video, um, you know, uh, but, uh, <laughs> right. uh, but, you know, you would have, you would have like Godzilla fans look down through their nose at Kamen Rider and only half-heartedly mm-hmm. go, well, Ultraman's okay. You know, it was like, huh? Because my, my experience when I was a kid and, and a lot of other kids that grew up being monster, Japanese monster fanatics, because so much of it was on television when I was growing up, it was on all the time. Uh, Ultraman and Spectre Man and Johnny Sacco and his flying robot and all the Godzilla movies and all the other fantasy movies, Warning from Space, you know, you name it. Godzilla movies, blah, blah, Gamera. You know, we wanted to see everything. And that was when this all other world opened up of all these shows that we didn't get over here, you know, that just made it, uh, you know, enriched us, <laughs> enriched us more and mm-hmm. actually made us poor uh, by shelling up more <laughs> money for imports. But it was really weird to encounter people like I don't I don't know what it is I haven't seen it I don't want to try it. Yeah, it was weird. There was a t- there was a time in the '90s when Godzilla Mania was coming back again with all the new movies being made in Japan in the '90s, but nobody wanted to talk about. It. There was a magazine. There was a magazine called G Fan Fanzine, right? Mm-hmm. And they did a poll: should we include coverage of Gamera? And the readership was no. Like the poll results what? were like no. <laughs> You know, uh, there was uh, uh, well, <laughs> until Gamera Guardian of the Universe came out. Then it was like, oh, OK. You know, and there was like absolutely <laughs> along with that, there was like, should we cover Ultraman? And that was like, no. I'm going to say that uh, as a person who runs a fanzine, uh, a magazine that is dedicated to giant monster stuff, Kaiju Ramen, we will right. never run a poll like that because we don't care if the larger fan base doesn't want Gamera. We're going to put Gamera in our magazine. <laughs> 
<laughs> yep. That was like in 1994, 95. You know, they did this poll and that was before like Gamera Guardian of the Universe came out. And because nobody, you know, I think, you know, Mystery Science Theater, they to people, they just, Gamera seemed cheesy compared to Godzilla, which Godzilla is much more macho and serious, you know. And then and you, you got uh-huh. like, to like, you know, what was the readership of that magazine? I don't think it really represented, you know, fandom in general. It represented the people who read that particular fanzine because a lot of people right. didn't know about G-Fan. But the, the way that I found out about mm-hmm. G-Fan is when the first little mimeograph thing came out, uh, it was uh, promoted in an issue of Fangoria when it was calling it G-Cell or something like that. And then uh, I think other people saw that and that's how that thing grew, right? But I would still meet other fans all the time locally, you know, before the <laughs> before the glories of the internet. <laughs> um, <laughs> the electronic soapbox uh, and... There were people who were like had no awareness of what GFAN was. There were people even up until the late '90s, early 2000s, who would go like, "What's GFest?" I go, "What's well, a convention mm-hmm. in Chicago devoted to Japanese monster movies?" And they're like, "I never heard of it." And these are people who were like dropping hundreds of dollars on Godzilla toys, you know, in local wow. shops, you know, and they had no i they had no idea that it existed. And you know, I mean. You have to, it's, it's, it's like anything. You have to look for it to find it sometimes, you know, G fan mm-hmm. isn't necessarily, you know, like advertised except in diamond, but that's the, you know, the solicitor's book, you know, so they don't really, they have their niche audience and it's really kind of a niche audience. So whatever kind of a poll and no offense to them at all, you know, it's going to be, um, you know, a, a segment that is based on uh, their readership and, and not really representative of fandom as a whole. It's sort of like how, uh, Fans of the modern common writer shows, you know, or or um, think that there's this huge fan base because they're really into it. That all this stuff should be coming out here in the states, but they're really a very small group. They're like even a sub niche of Godzilla, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of like n- right. sheer numbers of people. They're 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 in the they're in the. I don't even think they break into thousands. The amount of common writer fans in the United States. I really kind of doubt it. Yeah. Well, that that's kind of the, the trapping of being a fan of something is that you're, you're such a, I, I love this. So everyone must love this. And it's like, then you get out into <laughs> the real world and you realize, no, not everybody. I mean, I had that, I had that experience with, even within the Godzilla fandom of, I loved Final right. Wars, so everyone must love Final Wars. Then I get online right. and start interacting <laughs> yeah. with yeah. people, and realize, oh no, oh no. <laughs> but but yeah. yeah, but yeah, it, I as I hope that the and the goal of this podcast is to get people more familiar with with Common Rider specifically right now. But we're going to move on to to right. other shows in the future yes. once we finish with this this series. We're going nice. to move on to to you know Kikider and to Ultraman and to other things. And nice. and we want Super to Super Sentai. Yeah, yeah. And we want to introduce yep. people to the wide world of Tokusatsu and and Henshin heroes. Uh and and kind of have a a way of getting into it and being and it's our way of saying, hey, we love this. Here's why we love it maybe you'd be interested in it so, right, so we're exactly. really happy to have mm-hmm. yeah, that's the whole have spirit. you on the show yeah thank you again it's mm-hmm. all good everybody should like this stuff should, they should be encouraged no matter what they like and yep. build up the fan base 
because then companies like Shout Factory who are going like, we don't know if we can sell enough units because these shows are expensive enough for them to license, you know, mm-hmm. um, and they asked me to consult with them a couple years back. They're going like, if you had to pick five top shows that we, we should license, what do you think we should license, you know? You know, I went. I, you know, I would go like I could just tell you what I like, and they would be, they would probably be like all Showa shows, and then Kuga, you know, or all show because or right. all Showa shows in Agito, right? Um, but I went, uh-huh. I went on, I went on Twitter, and I said, you know, what's your favorite common writer series? You know, just a general shout out to fans, right? And I crunched numbers by what people were telling me. You know, to get a to get a gauge, and I was also, you know, you know, you, you cruise and and uh, what do you call it when you lurk into some groups, mm-hmm. you know, just see what people are talking about, what they like the most, and I just got a feel for what like, you know, people wanted to see, because uh, it's a huge, mm-hmm. it's a huge, you know, catalog. So, um, you know, again, I'm just rambling now. <laughs> it's just like if you yeah, like it, yeah. no, it's totally right, like it. Well, no, I totally get what yeah. you're saying because uh, I I am a you know I love Common Rider in general and I love this original series. This original series is so much fun to watch. But you know it's one it's like Doctor Who. Your first Doctor is always going to be your favorite, and the first Common yes. Rider series I watched from beginning to end was Double, and so I'm always going to have yeah. a soft spot for Double, even though like right. I know that it, it's like the cool thing to hate on Double now in the fandom, but it's like no, I still like it because it's my favorite. Yeah, or it was the first I I watched from beginning to end. So, but uh, right. but yeah, it's no, funny, totally it's, get what you're saying. It's really- yeah, it's really funny because I remember at the time when it was on currently, you know, it, people really were into it. So, you know, opinions mm-hmm. change. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, and le- uh, oh, let's get into yeah. our first episode, actually. Thank you, August, for your uh, extensive plot breakdown for us. So uh, this is the last episode where we have Hayato as our star. <laughs> Yes. And I want to start off by saying, as last episodes go, I re- I was impressed. I liked this one. This one kind of served almost as a as a season finale, really, um, because you know most most common writer shows or most Japanese shows uh, are fifty something episodes, you know, for a whole year, and then they you know that's a whole season. This. The, we've we've talked about on on the podcast before how they kind of combined one and two and uh, season one and two into one big season, but this does kind of feel like a season finale for mm-hmm. Common Rider. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had a few episodes that have been kind of like this. Episode thirteen was like that, and then the episode where Colonel Zol was defeated felt like a season finale. So here we have it again, and the, it, I feel like. As a send up for Hayato, this is just really working. Like all the things that are good about Kamen Rider are on display here. We got a really good kaijin that we've got a, an interesting plot. We've got plenty of action and a good story to go along with it. And the, all the characters are doing things. Yeah, it's just yeah. It's very impressive. And and I have to ask Mr. Ragone because uh, we've had this conversation on the podcast, uh, me and Nathan. The the translation of Kaijin 
in English mm. is cyborg for the subtitles. But f- for the limited amount of ja- Japanese that I do know, there is another mm-hmm. word for cyborg and kaijin is not it. So can right. you explain a little bit about right. what that is? Yeah, I think I think well, I think basically what they want probably now what can we mention what subtitles you're referring to? The Shout Factory subtitles or Yeah, yeah, yeah what's on Tubi? Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay, great. Yeah, I think what they did is um, standardized because uh, there was two there were two terms that you hear commonly in there. And that was uh, used in a lot of, uh, you know, all the print material, you know, in the manga uh, and uh, throughout the, the history, at least throughout the history of the first, you know, run of, of the Showa series, certainly. So you have two terms that are thrown out. You have kaijin, which uh, literally uh, would be translated as weird man. But that is so, mm-hmm. you know, that, that is a very, <laughs> a very loose term that, that goes back to uh, Japanese. Uh, uh, There's this whole genre of, of eroguro nonsense, nonsense, which is erotic, grotesque nonsense was a kind of this this uh, theme in the 1930s to art and and, and uh, literature uh, and there was a, a writer named Rampo Edogawa who uh, wrote mystery novels very famous guy they made a movie about him a fictitious movie about him uh, within the last 20 years and uh, his novels are still influential and they influence things like common writer and and a lot of other Japanese fantasy kind of superhero stuff a lot of it kind of flows mm-hmm. from Rappo Edogawa because he had uh, characters like the Spider-Man and, and as a mysterious criminal, you know, and, and uh, things and the black lizard. Um, and, mm-hmm. uh, and so when you start seeing that term kaijin kind of comes from that, it also means sort of like a phantom as a person who's a phantom, a mysterious man, uh, like someone who lurks in the shadows, mm-hmm. almost like sort of like a, like a specter type, type of a figure. Uh, but when it was mm-hmm. uh, when it, it, it referred to the monsters, it, it kind of meant the same way. These are like humanoid uh, hominid sort of creatures that are mixed with a bunch of other stuff in the in the in the uh, super science technology uh, <laughs> that Shocker is using kind of extends from a 1966 toy movie called A Terror Beneath the Sea, uh, otherwise known as Water Cyborg. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where they manufacture these these sea creatures to be these soldiers to conquer the world. You can see that movie, the kind of set up with the undersea base, and they're making these crazy mutant creatures uh, transforming humans into these weird cyborgs is sort of a basis for Common Rider's uh, shocker um, mutants. So um, when I worked with uh, JN Productions, General, uh, I mean, Generation Kikaida, doing the uh, mm-hmm. special features and the subtitles for Common Rider V3, we decided to, to standardize Kaijin as mutant for how it is used in the Common Rider series. These are mutants, and they're, mm-hmm. uh, they're fusing of animal and humans, as you know, and then they're loaded with you know cybernetic parts uh, or weapons or whatnot. Mm-hmm. The other term, mm-hmm. now, <laughs> will not take five minutes mm-hmm. to explain, <laughs> and that one is uh, Kaizo Ningen. Which you hear, but it's sometimes mm-hmm. it, you'll hear Kai and think you're saying hearing Kaijin, but you'll hear Kaijin and Kaizo Ningen. 
Kaizo Ningen specifically mm-hmm. means in in literal terms a transformed human, a modified ah, okay. human, a remodeled human. So colloquially in English, uh, that would be a cyborg or cybernetic right. organism, but specifically relating mm-hmm. to a human being that has been cyber cyberized. So you would hear mm-hmm. those terms, those two terms, kaijin and cyborg. So sometimes, you know, the, the character would introduce himself, you know, like uh, there, you know, I'm Gil, you know, I'm Shockers, kaijin, Gilgras or whatever. And then, you know, Hongo would say or, or Ichimonji would say, you know, Shockers new Kaizo Ningen. So you're new, Shockers okay. new cyborg. So the monster would be a mutant, but then they would always be. So they use both terms of cyborg and mutant. Uh, they would just juxtapose those two terms in the Common Rider series, and that pretty much mm, right. runs okay. through that that run, the, the first run of shows. And mm-hmm. um, oh, okay. that actually makes more sense, yeah, because we've been discussing about how Common uh, Rider is definitely a cyborg, but we didn't feel like the monsters of the week usually qualified as such. Yeah, they seemed more mutant, like mutants, like you said. Right, they're mutants, but they're also cyborgs. So they're mm-hmm. mutant cyborgs. So because they all have like if they have a weapon, if they shoot things, rays out of their eyes or throw fire or whatever, those are all, you know, mechanical <laughs> uh, engineered parts in them. They're not like organic. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. when you see like a lot of the books that I collected uh, from the 70s uh, on Common Rider, one of the big favorite things that kids loved back in the 60s and 70s uh, were cutaways. So like anatomical cutaways. <laughs> So you would have this yes. book that would have anatomical cutaways for all the, the shocker mutants. And you would, they would show like, you know, here's the, the flame generator that's in there, you know, where their heart's supposed to be located. And, you know, here's, you know, and especially mm-hmm. this is more explicit when you get into like Common Rider V3 where, you know, you have guys like Machine Gun Snake. So obviously, you know, it's a snake, mm-hmm. it's a human mixed together. And then he's got a big machine gun on his arm, you know, or instead of an arm, you know, uh-huh. so, uh, um, so yeah. that's where that, yeah. that really comes from, you know. So, and you had mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Ishimori's earlier work, which was Cyborg 009, which firmly, yes. firmly established to, uh, you know, like Japanese pop culture what a cyborg was. So, and that has a lot to yes. do with Common Rider coming mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Well, and uh, that's a that's a good uh, transition to actually talk about the Kaijin mutant <laughs> cyborg, mutant cyborg. If you need a band name, there you go, mutant cyborgs. Right. <laughs> we'll talk. Let's talk about Gilcrow as usual. Yeah. Depend. Uh, Shout Factory gives, I think, several different versions of the name depending on if you're looking at the title or the right. subtitles in the episode. So it's Gilcrow right. or. Gilgalas. So I actually really like this one. I was really impressed with this one. Sometimes, depending on the kaijin, some costumes are better than others, but I I thought this one was actually pretty impressive. Uh, Travis, you'll appreciate this. It actually, I felt like this was the prototype for the Tengu and the Tengas in Power Rangers. It reminded me a lot of them. It it did it did me too. Uh, I really like the gold accents that they put on it too, because it's not just mm-hmm. a black crow feathered suit. They actually mm-hmm. put like armor right. and stuff on him, which is really cool. Yep. Yeah. Right. And the whole time I was watching it, I was resisting the urge to start quoting the Raven. 
by Poe. <laughs> he's a crow, not a raven. But I really, Never really more. wanted to. Once upon a midnight dreary. dreary. <laughs> yeah. Nevermore, Kamen Rider. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Spoke the raven. Kamen Rider. Kamen Rider. Because, <laughs> yes, the crow sings the, the theme song. Yeah. <laughs> I know that was so weird. Okay. Do has anyone ever been to because it, what, what we're talking about is you know it's the crow that is uh, that's being sold right. at a pet store and it's actually Gil Crow in disguise. Has anyone ever been to a pet store that sells crows or known someone not, who had a pet crow? Not lately. <laughs> I have seen people online who have pet crows and that was actually okay. something I wanted to touch on. So they, they talk about how weird this in, in the episode, they talk about how weird this crow is because it's actually a crow that can speak, but yeah, it's right. a parrot. Apparently <laughs> crows, crows and ravens actually do uh, mimic human speech and actually in right. some cases are better at doing it than parrots so that's oh, really actually, oh, yeah, yeah yeah that's actually a thing yeah oh yeah corvids are, are known to be know able that. to imitate english uh english imitate human speech so yeah 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 well that that's kind of the basis of the, of Ag- edgar Allan poe's uh poem is that mm-hmm. this raven has has been hearing its master say the word nevermore so much that it's just mm-hmm. picked up and started repeating the word. But yeah, these, these corvids, these crows and ravens, mm-hmm. they do mimic human speech um, actually mm-hmm. really well. And they're and and if you have a pet one, you can teach it to mimic human speech mm-hmm. and other sounds. Mm-hmm. And actually the, using a crow as our monster of the week is actually very appropriate for the story we have on here because crows are traditionally speaking in most cases are symbols of death and in pose the raven the the raven is representative of madness which goes along with the dead man gas which is our plot of the week which honestly is one of the most diabolical ones i think shocker has used because i gotta be I'm going to be honest with you. This is a genuinely terrifying concept. This idea of gassing people and then they just go insane and murder each other. Does yeah. anyone remember the hate plague from Transformers? Yes. When the, In that three-parter where they brought Optimus Prime back from the dead, it was kind of a similar concept. Anyone who was infected with it would turn into basically homicidal maniacs. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a, yeah, there was a similar, this, this you know, gas a similar... is good. I'm sorry. There's a delay on 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 my end, so I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, you go ahead. You go ahead. No, I, I was just gonna say, yeah, this gas, this gas is really diabolical. Uh, I definitely put this down as one of the most uh, creepiest, but also most effective uh, plans that Shocker has had, and it definitely gave yeah. me um, Scarecrow vibes from Batman too. Oh yeah, the the fear gas. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a little bit different. That was making people just terrified of things. Or, or was, if you want to go with Psycho Man from from uh, Fantastic Four and Marvel, that's a that's, yes. I, I'm a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all here? <laughs> and if we want to, if we want to reference Common Rider itself, there's like you know the vampire virus in episode two of Common Rider, you know, which turns yes. everybody into a condo yeah. building into vampires. You know, that could run around during the yeah. day. 
So that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So yeah, oh, what was uh, there? There was also one with the ant kaijin. Remember that? <laughs> right, right. And there's similar things. There are so many instances of these kinds of things in in various Toei superhero shows of that same period that sometimes they can all blend together because they share similar writers and uh, similar staff. So there'd be one show where there's mm-hmm. a monster that does like, you know, it's going to infect people with the virus. And you're going like, OK, was that Common Rider or was that Common Rider X or was that Superhuman Barm 1? Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> so these. Uh, yeah, I mean, these, I, uh, these- and that's that's starting to happen to me with how much tokusatsu I've just been taking in. Right. Because I start yeah. thinking like, oh, which Ultraman show was that in? Oh, right. Or which yeah. Super Sentai was that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which Power Rangers was that? <laughs> I actually had that in this episode because I was trying to remember the crow monster and I, it was either Kuga or Agito. And I can't remember which one it was in that you, that would spit uh, like sharp pellets out at people and kill them mm. from like huge distances and i can't remember if it was a kuga or a gito that has that in it and and this monster kind of reminded me of that but i was like oh man a gito and kuga kind of blend yeah. together at a certain point in my head <laughs> yeah 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 i think that's i think that's yeah. agito i'm pretty sure that's agito Oh, is it Agito, Agito the yeah. monster? Okay. Was, the the yeah. kaijin designs, the kaijin designs, and in, in, uh, Agito were referencing uh, previous common rider shows. So you have a couple mm, of like, right. you know, okay. common rider monsters. You know, you have a couple of V three. Uh, you know, tribute you know, homages, and so yeah, I think that's it. Mm-hmm. Would have been in Agito. Anyway. Mm-hmm. But conveniently in this show, for our hero's sake anyway, or at least Common Rider, that gas doesn't make cyborgs go crazy. It just paralyzes them, which actually right. you know, does give us a nice little set piece, nice drawback for Hayato to deal with later. Because <laughs> it's like, oh, my head, I can't do anything. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Excedrin headache 235. yeah. yeah. Yes, Excedrin headache. <laughs> I was just thinking of how, how we said how diabolical this this plan is. And also we mentioned it before recording, uh, just in our in our conversations before, but uh how much of stuff that was in Japanese television, especially in this time period, just wouldn't have cut it and as in a certain time period in American television. And I feel like no. having the parents go nuts of this little girl go nuts oh, and murder geez. themselves, murder each other. And the girl walks in and oh. sees her dead parents there is something yeah. that would not have flown in American kids' television. <laughs> oh, I know. Right. They probably would have changed you know, this to yeah. like knockout gas or something. Yeah, I don't know. Right. But I just right. feel sorry for Goro. Goro is going to need therapy for years. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> opening a door and coming into a room with several dead adults, that, that's going to mess I you mean, up. I mean, he's been brainwashed right. before, yeah. so... Twice. Twice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, You didn't hear this. uh, I don't know if you heard this episode, August, but every time we have mind-controlled children now on Kamen Rider, we call them children of the shock horn. (laughs) (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, there you go. That's what I was waiting for. 
Yeah, and there was a long stretch where it was just like, mind control and child soldiers. I'm getting bored, shocker. <laughs> that sounds yeah. horrible out of context, but... <laughs> <laughs> and they still can't get it right every time. They just... Keep oh, we've made keep plenty failing. of jokes about we've also made plenty of jokes about how shocker keeps making those typical villain mistakes we're like this is why you don't rule the world shocker okay <laughs> <laughs> don't talk the hero to death while you have him tied down just kill him and then talk later <laughs> yeah right exactly it's like uh the uh the evil overlord list that i was introduced if yeah. you want to amuse yourself google the evil overlord list and one of the entries on it was when the hero asked me when i when i'm about to kill the hero and he asked me before you kill me will you just tell me what this all is what this is all about i will say no and shoot him on second thought i'll <laughs> shoot him and then say no <laughs> yeah exactly that's exactly it <laughs> And speaking of villains, oh, man. you know, there's a lot of the monsters yes. in our Kaijin mutants in, in Kamen Rider. Uh, it's kind of easy to figure out their names, especially in the early you know part of the, the show where you just have things like Owlman. Well, OK, great. But, you know, when you get into mm-hmm. characters like, you know, uh, you know, Giru Garasu, you know, it's sort of like, OK, what does that really what? And especially since it's written in Japanese and in, in uh, Katakana, which is reserved for foreign words, mostly. Uh, it's not kanji, it could be kind of confusing as to what they meant. And a lot of the guys who wrote these shows um, and worked on these shows were, were very well-read people. And uh, sometimes they're referencing, you know, things that are not so obvious, especially when, you know, you're not Japanese and you're trying to figure out what yes. phonetic, phonetically what they're, what the hell they're trying to talk about. Now, you know, there's a lot of, you know, naming conventions and they're steeped in all kinds of different conjunctions and wordplay. And uh, Garasu, the end of Giru, Giru Garasu, Garasu is a play on Karasu, which is the Japanese word for crow. It's Garasu is a perversion of Karasu with a K and they turn it into a G. Now, this name seems to be a conjunction of uh, Giruga and then Karasu, like they're putting these two together. Uh, they're making a portmanteau of Giruga and Karasu, which is crow. So what the hell is Giruga? From my best guess, uh, that Giruga comes from the Japanese phonetic reading of Gilgamesh. Oh! Who was the oh, superhuman wow. hero of Mesopotamian mythology. And so it makes sense because it's got Giru and Gamesh and you had Giru Garasu. It kind of like has sing-songy because the Japanese pronounce it Giru Gameshu. Mm-hmm. Girugameshu. So Girugarasu and Girugameshu. That's my best guess as to what it should be instead of like Gil Glass, I think was one translation I saw that someone had done. Yeah. Um, so you know, Gil Glass um, or something like that. Right. And, you know, it's like not all the monsters' names are that difficult. This is one of the more, you know, difficult ones, you know, that to kind of like a what yeah. the hell are they Yeah. And that's about? what, uh, you know. Normally, uh, I'm the one that usually does research on the names because I'm like you. I, I am fascinated by how they name these characters. And some of them are, you know, like you said, some of them are pretty, you know, simple. We have Condor Man or, or you know, Cobra Man. But, uh, but then right. I think we had a couple of episodes ago, we had uh, Namekujira. Uh, let me see if I can say it right. Namekujira. Oh, which, yeah, Namekujira. Yeah, Namekujira. Yeah, yeah. 
it was like a portmanteau of mm-hmm. Namekuji, uh, or which is which is uh, slug and and Kujira, which is whale. So it was like slug whale. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And then they and then it was subtitled by Shout Factory as Slugzilla. <laughs> right. Which I thought was pretty creative, since Kujira is part of Gojira. Right. Right. You know, so it, you know it's easy to make. You know, there's that whole a lot of monsters that end up in Japanese, uh, especially uh, in, in Japanese sci-fi fantasy stuff in the in the '60s and '70s that all have "la" at the end, or you know, "la" at the end. Mm-hmm. You know, starting with you know, mm-hmm. Gamera and Gilala, and you know, mm-hmm. and so they always have this "la," and that is like just riffing on Godzilla. You know, a lot of that is riffing on Godzilla. Right. So. Um, there was one a couple of weeks ago that we did that uh, was called Todogira. And yes. I had to yeah. look that up because because it was translated as like seal monster or seal man and or seal killer. That's what it was, seal killer. And I was like, okay, the word for seal is not todo. So what is right. Todogira? And so I was right. like having to look that up. And, and from what my research from what I found was like, Todo is like a specific word for a specific type of seal. And that's what it, they, I guess that's what they meant by it. I couldn't really confirm right. that for sure, but you know, it's yeah. basically, it, yeah, it's basically a walrus. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I was looking mm-hmm. at. I was like, cause I was like, I know enough. Cause I, if, if, any, if I know anything, I know the animals in Japanese. I don't, I'm not, I'm not fluent mm-hmm. in Japanese, right. but I do know how to pronounce some of the animal names. Um, but, but I was like, okay, so I know that's not seal, but what is it? <laughs> and so I had to look yeah. it up and see what. Yeah. What I don't think, was. I don't think any, I don't think any fan should be intimidated either. Uh, fan enthusiast should be intimidated uh, in trying to look up the names themselves. It's easily done now online. You know, it's like, you know uh, mm-hmm. so I think everybody should be encouraged to do it, not just go like, well, that guy, you know, that guy knows some Japanese. So, you know, you know, he thinks he's great or something like that. Like, you know, you've got some mysterious mm-hmm. magical power, like pulling a rabbit out of your hat, but it's, it's, you can look it up. So I encourage other people to, you know, to do that. It's just, look it up and, and try to figure it out. Yeah. And that's, you know, and you know, it's part of the fun. And as GI Joe would say, knowing is half the battle. Oh, yeah. heck yes. And speaking, since we're on the subject of the villains, this is something of a send off. I know he's coming back later because I've, you know, I've done some research by that. I mean, I've watched blue Nova videos <laughs> and I know Dr. Shinigami, Dr. Death, Dr. Reaper, again, depending on the translation right. is coming back later, but this is kind of his send off. So Hideo Amamoto, he's had a great run, actually. It was shorter than I was expecting because I think what we lost, Colonel Zoll was gone, I think, in episode 40. And this is uh, episode 52. So, yeah, but appropriately, (laughs) his weapon of choice is a sickle. (laughs) Yeah, he has a scythe. He has a scythe. I wrote that in my notes. I was like, with exclamation marks, he has a scythe. (laughs) <laughs> and that's how he cuts down the children of the shockhorn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. But it, it's so great. He probably has, because I it's I mean, 
Colonel Zoll was already a pseudo-Nazi, but after the last couple of episodes with Dr. Shinigami, we're like, you know, I think he found a way to be more evil than the pseudo-Nazi. Congratulations. Right. <laughs> yeah. Hail yeah. science. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's kind of funny about this whole, the whole thing with the, the shocker commandants, various guys that come in and act as commandants for the shocker Japan. Um, Shocker is in explicitly not in the show, except maybe in the it was I think the Cobra Man episodes there was you know an allusion to Nazi Germany, um, mm-hmm. and how scientists from Nazi Germany sort of formed the basis of mm-hmm. Shocker because they were looking f- they were looking for a uh, like a, the MacGuffin was uh, like a Nazi right. box. Oh yeah, the Chameleon Man box. episodes yeah. they had that. Yeah. Right, right, mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, in in the literature that would come out, so sometimes things weren't explained in the shows um, or were glossed over or were just briefly mentioned. But the magazines that came out at the time, the boys' magazines and whatnot, would have in-depth stories. So the episodes didn't have to go in-depth on the background. So everyone in Japan at the time you know, could read the magazine – you know, it's sort of like what Disney now does with Star Wars, I guess. You know, read the novel and the comic book if you want to know more. But they would Expanded have these universe. stories. <laughs> yes, they would have these stories like, you know, we never see uh, like how Hayato was transformed into Common Rider. We hear about it in exposition, right? But mm-hmm. in the magazines, they they show it. <laughs> in the magazines, it would go, Hongo came in and mm-hmm. saved him, you know. And and uh, and so everybody was watching the show at the time, were, following, were able to follow the story along. So when it's seen with by people without that cultural context, that pop cultural context, you know, some people wonder like, well, we didn't get to see that, you know, you know, where did, where did shocker, you know, really come from? And, you know, according to uh, one of the producers, Toru Hirayama, uh, who was the creative producer on the show, and he had a lot to do about forging the show into what it was. Um, working hand in hand with uh, Ishi- Ishimori or Ishinomori, and Mr. Hirayama came up with uh, like all the background stories for all these characters, uh, for the Shocker organization, and for uh, the Great Leader, and for the Commandants. And uh, mm-hmm. Zol is a Nazi. Shocker was uh, <laughs> the great. The, the great. The Great Leader originally is the cause of all the evil in the world. Um, and was oh, influential, geez. was behind Napoleon and was behind Hitler, as two what? examples. Throughout oh history. The, great, the great leader has existed eternally. The, the great leader is the embodiment of e- evil incarnate. Is evil incarnate. Oh, so, so mm-hmm. uh, you know, after the fall of the Third Reich, you know, uh, it just the, the great leader formed Shocker. And um, and uses all the resources that are that are left over uh, from the Third Reich. Doc Zoll is uh, a former Nazi. Uh, Doctor Shinigami uh, experimented on people in the camps. You know what camps oh. I'm talking about? Um, he, yes, he was, he was a, considered a brilliant uh, cyborg uh, uh, cyborg surgeon. The one wild card is uh, Ambassador Hell, who's going to show up soon. Um, and, uh, yes. he was, uh, uh, was born in San Francisco and, uh, <laughs> you know, he was, uh, the son of, uh, immigrants from Southeast Asia, from Cambodia or there, thereabouts. He never actually names the country. And then he was transferred to the South American, I think the South American base, or was it the, uh, 
the Southeast Asian mm-hmm. base. Yeah, South American. So all these guys have these back mm-hmm. these great background stories, um, and mm-hmm. um, and so yeah, Shocker is basically the Fourth Reich, you know, in a lot of ways. So yeah. Um, and, well, um, I guess we, uh, you and I, have been right this whole time, Travis. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and again, I mean, they they've outright said it on the show that you know that they were that they were a branch or uh, branched off of Nazis, and again like we mentioned earlier something that you probably wouldn't see in a lot of kids shows especially during a certain period of time because uh in america anyway um because yeah having having ties to nazism is not something that they like to put on american television but but yeah there's there's uh yeah in more recent yeah yeah, in more recent years, it would be like, you know, a taboo. But, you know, in the 1960s, we had Hogan's Heroes, which was a show about Nazis. Right. You know, like played for laughs. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, um, yeah. But all the but all the Germans in Hogan's Heroes were yeah. caricatures. They were buffoons. Oh, right. yeah, 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 exactly. But, you know, you can look at common writers being, you know, sort of like caricatures as well. But. You know, for a children's television show, oh, different kind of caricatures, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think like in the eighties, yeah. that would be eighties and nineties. They would have went, "Oh, we got to steer away from, just steer away from that." <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's actually even because because like yeah, they're in the eighties and nineties. Definitely, I think they would have steered away from that. And it's kind of funny that it's coming back around because of the popularity of the Avengers and Captain America with the Red Hydra. Skull. And Hydra, you know, that they explicitly said in the movies that like Hydra was an offshoot of the Nazis. And so Mm -hmm. it's like they're they're, Mm there. And that's, you know, a lot of that is advertised towards kids. So it is kind of interesting Mm -hmm. that we have kind of now come back around culturally to not not be scared to put that as as a villain origin. But I just know Mm -hmm. that, that we've talked about it on the podcast that that for a time period especially in japan that they culturally they didn't have the same ideas of of nazism that that like a lot of european people would have like like in european there it it, hitler is not just the boogeyman he is absolutely a horrible Mm -hmm. thing you would never have uh you know a hitler or or the nazis be the villains but in japan and uh in other places they're to them it's just like a shortcut for evil oh this just is evil so Mm -hmm. of course the bad guys would be involved in that Mm -hmm. right and you know during the 60s and the 70s uh you know you go back in the 50s but i said there's there's a complete um like a ramping up in the 60s of uh you know world war ii movies that were you know uh, set in the european theater you know, so, um, you know, you have movies like right. the Eagles Dare and the Eagle Has Landed. And it's all about, you know, the Nazis are the bad guys, you know, and um, mm-hmm. those movies were popular. I grew up seeing those kind of movies. And, you know, we all everybody agreed that, yep, those guys are bad guys. You know, <laughs> those, guys, mm-hmm. those guys. are Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's it was, one of those. It's one of those things where and I think this might have been something that a, a friend and I talked about from tvtropes.com about how they said there's a handful of villain archetypes where you don't have to explain why they're evil. Right. <laughs> and the two most prominent examples being Nazis and vampires. You don't have to explain yeah. why they're evil. 
Right, right exactly. Yep. And exactly. we've gotten both in Common Rider, so yep. <laughs> that's that's just that's great. All tied up in a little cybernetic bow. Yep, exactly. And and we've kind of buried the lead a little bit here because we're we've been talking for a while about this one episode, but we have to before we move on to the next one mention that Hongo is back. Yeah, again, <laughs> again, yeah. And one of the most surprising entrances he does as a guest star in a while. It's mm-hmm. really ironic because it's our uh, because uh, Gilcrow is sneaking in. He's like, "I'm going to get Hayato and kill him," and then he he's in the hospital. And he pulls off the uh, the blanket on the uh, the sheet on the hospital bed, and he's like, "Oh, it's Hongo." He's like. Did you think there was only one common writer or something like that? There's two of us. And then he picks mm-hmm. with every time I Hongo makes a it. guest appearance. Every time Hongo makes a guest appearance, now I'm always surprised. And <laughs> 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 I shouldn't be. <laughs> Hongo is still one of my, if not my absolute favorite common writer. I love his character. I love his his arc. I love his story so much and i love the acting that fujioka uh does with with hongo Mm -hmm. and we've talked about this nathan how the the previous kind of guest appearances have kind of been a hint to e or kind of an easing into the fact that hongo was going to come back Mm -hmm. full time right Mm mm-hmm mm-hmm and uh, one of the things that this episode in particular really showed me is Fujioka still got it. He can still do the the action scenes when they let him fight when he's not common rider. Obviously, they're not letting yes. him do the suit work anymore because he hurt himself. <laughs> right. But. Um. You know, he got injured uh, in a motorcycle stunt, right? And uh, mm-hmm. yes, he wasn't in the suit. He was playing Hongo when he when he oh. did that, when, he, when he crashed. And uh, so. Uh, you know, they promised him that he would come back to the to the series. You know, uh, once he healed, but they had to come up with all these last minute ideas of how to like cover for him exiting the show. And I think in several of the episodes of the last, the first thirteen, the last couple of the episodes of the last thirteen, you know, uh, that when they aired, uh, Fujioka was laid up in the hospital. So they had a uh, voice mm-hmm. actors doing his his voice because he was on a, he wasn't available. And uh, then they had right. to come up with like, so what do we do? We're gonna should we just kill kill him off and bring in a brand new common writer, or should we get someone else to play Hongo and just say that Shocker captured him and changed his face? You know, they, were, they had all these ideas. And it was like this last minute scramble, you know. Uh, and then they came up with a better idea of just having a, a, an in, a secondary, you know, common writer show up. So, yeah, um, that was really which neat. I have to say, uh, I have to say these team up episodes, I, uh, I wrote actually I wrote this in my notes is that these are the best kind of lemonade out of yeah. some of the worst lemons that they got dealt <laughs> because this has turned into a common writer tradition. And it was because of an accident that they had to scramble to fix. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I right. put it on par with like uh uh the first doctor who having to leave you know uh when when that actor had to retire and they brought in peter um uh i can't remember his name now uh well it was like but the the second william hartnell was leaving yeah 
It was Patrick, yeah. Tra- uh, Patrick Troughton. Patrick Troughton. Yeah. That's what it, Patrick Troughton. Yeah, when they brought in yeah. Patrick Troughton to to replace Hartnell, and and it's like a that you just have to work with what you've got. But how brilliant of an idea! Because now fifty something years later, that show can still go on and still have the same continuity because they have this built in safeguard that it's or that if a actor has to leave they can just regenerate and turn into a new actor and it's like they right. have they it's kind of on par with that with bringing in the second writer because now you know fit, nearly 50 years later we're still having the second writer being a trope of the of the franchise mm-hmm. and who doesn't love a good superhero team up exactly it's just baked into the cards it's always exciting which which makes me want to ask this question has nothing to do with the episodes that we're covering but i just have to know uh mr ragone uh who is your favorite secondary writer well uh that would be um, i wouldn't count common writer one and two and the original common writer series because they're equal they're equal characters Mm -hmm. um so i would say writer man in V3. Oh, okay. Hmm. In V3, yeah. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. the one that... I know the, V3 is your favorite, so... Right. And, and his character is a complex character uh, who actually wants to kill V3 when he's introduced. He doesn't get... A, well, he doesn't really want to kill him, but he doesn't like him. He, he wants to fight him. Uh, he was a... Uh, do we, should we share spoilers? Share spoilers. Is that okay? Okay. Um... But uh, okay. uh, yeah, Writer Man came out as, uh, from being a Destron scientist uh, that was double-crossed by his commandant, uh, Martial Armor, and uh, he plots his revenge on Martial Armor. So Common uh, Rider V3 gets in the way, so he has a ri- not a rivalry really, but he's sort of like V3, if you don't get the crap out of my way, because I'm going to kill this guy. You're not going to kill him. I'm going to kill him because I've already vowed revenge on, you know, for what he did to me. It's his character and what they do with his story. That is, is, that's the best part. Not his character as a standalone and like later things or whatever, where he just pops up. But I mean, that particular story arc in V3 is really, really, really good. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I have the same, the same feelings for, um, for common writer, uh, the, the G3, uh, oh, yeah. in, in Agito. Um, right. Because uh, because I am a dirty, dirty Heisei fan. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And uh, but but G3 that that the character the and I forget the character's name, but but that character has such a fascinating arc in that show. And and the premise behind it of being just a normal guy, you know, there's other there's the common writer, you know, there's Agito and then there's um, the other common writer one. I forget what. um, uh the green one that the gills yeah gills that's also in there and but here is a guy who is just a normal human who is just out of duty and out of wanting to protect people putting himself in harm's way and getting the crap beat out of him constantly by the bad guys but he keeps coming back because he just he he has to do it and i love that that character arc for him and so for me that is my favorite secondary writer That's a good choice.
Yeah, actually, August, I'm going to ask you this. This is a question that we had about Dr. Shinigami that we haven't been able to figure out yet. <laughs> Why is it that in some episodes he's getting pushed around in a wheelchair and other times he seems very able-bodied? Yeah, I think that was something that they tried at first, that they wanted the character to be in a wheelchair. Like, he's this brilliant surgeon, but he can't fix himself. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> I think what, what happened was the uh, – and if I remember correctly, I haven't thought about this or looked it, looked it up in a, in a while. I think I have it in this, these notes that I wrote for – well, it's actually an article I wrote about the making of the original series um, that was never published uh, yet. They He was in the wheelchair because they wanted to kind of have that kind of Blofeld, you know, in a wheelchair kind of thing. Ah. And then – but the actor – uh, Mr. Amamoto was like, no, nah, I don't want to do this freaking wheelchair thing. So I, that's what I, that's what I remember. He was just right. against, he was against the wheelchair. So it was abandoned pretty quickly. I think he was difficult to work with, maybe a little bit difficult to work with. I don't want to disparage him at all, but you know, he just might've said like, look, man, the wheelchair, I'm going to be in the wheelchair. I'm going to get out of the wheelchair. I'm going to, no, no. And so they just had to use what they, you know, what they filmed, I think for those episodes where that is the case. You know, but uh, yeah, it disappeared. The wheelchair right. disappears pretty quickly, right? Which, which Amamoto, you've got Amamoto coming in, and he has the the pedigree, like probably the most pedigree of anybody who's been on this show up to this point coming into it. So even if he was a little difficult to work with, I'm I if I was on set, I'd be like, let's listen to the guy who probably has more experience working on films than anybody right. else up to this point, right? right. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, but I am glad that he's out of the wheelchair because the the fight scene between him and Hongo mm -hmm. was absolutely my favorite part of this episode. I mm -hmm. loved that scene. Mm -hmm. And then it, it ends. It, I felt like it it felt a little rushed, but then again, there's been a few other transitions in the show that felt a little fast. Where it's just you get to the end and they're like, well. <laughs> he got. He went to South America. I'm going to go chase him. So Hongo, you stay here. And Hong, suddenly Hongo's like, you know what? I guess I'll stay this time when before I didn't want to. But okay. So. <laughs> yep. So Hayato, Hayato says goodbye. Uh, <laughs> to but that, what, but, to but now Travis. Travis, I have to ask this question. What are you, what are you going to do now? You know, you, you are you going to ship Hongo and Taki now or? <laughs> Oh, 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 don't worry. The 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 Hangaki uh ship is is ready to sail. Uh, oh, oh no. Oh no. Uh, and, and with that, I think we can move on to the next episode. Transition. Mutant Jaguar Man, the deadly Autobike Clash. Kaijin Jagaman, Kishin no Otobai Sen. Hongo and Tobei are training hard for an upcoming Grand Prix race, but suddenly the murderous rider team, led by Jaguar Man, from Shocker's Motorcycle Task Force appears. Shocker's new commandant, Ambassador Hell, has arrived from Southeast Asia to unleash his Operation Animal Panic with the help of Jaguar Man. Emmy and her friends are taken hostage, and even Hongo falls into enemy hands. What will happen to Kamen Rider? It's lions and tigers and bears and 
elephants and jaguars. Oh my! <laughs> and and we're back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wrote that too, actually. <laughs> and, and now we're back to the old naming conventions. And not only do we have Hongo back, we're back to the old naming convention. So no more crazy names. Now where it's just Jaguar Man. It's really easy. <laughs> Jaguar Man. Yeah, Jaguar Man looks like a reject from the island of Dr. Moreau, really. He does. Aww. Aww. He's one of my favorites. I I mean, I don't mean it in a, like, absolutely negative way. Um, he just looks really, really crazy, and I'm kind of digging it. The The whole armor thing on top yeah. of the, the uh, suit is really cool. Now, right. he reminded me of a character from one of my childhood favorites, and I admit that it's technically a completely different species, but I can't get over the similarity in design, and that's Jackal Man from Thundercats. Oh. <laughs> in Japan, like the family of like jaguars, that also kind of includes, and they say it in the in the dialogue at the beginning of the episode, that he's a hyo otoko, which a hyo is also a leopard or can be a leopard or jaguar. So when they romanized the, the name for the for the character and call it Jagamang or Jaga, yeah, ja, it's Jagamang, which would be just translated out obviously as Jaguar Man, uh, they probably, <laughs> if we had to transliterate it to English, it would probably have to be like Panther or, or I mean, Leopard Man. It's like mm. he's a little more closer mm. to a leopard than he is a jaguar, but whatever. Semantics. Yeah, but you, I mean, you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong with this Jaguar man. Actually, it rolls off the tongue very nicely. Yeah. It sounds yeah. really cool. I mean, come on. Does mm-hmm. does Jet Jaguar look like a jaguar? No, no, <laughs> no. no. And I think you know. I think that's a translation error by uh, by Toho too. That particular one with Jet Jaguar. <laughs> Ooh. You know. So I don't know. Well, you know, we'll ne- we, may, we may never know. Yeah. We'll never know the truth about that. Yeah, Jaguar yeah. Man, Jaguar yeah. Man's a great, I think he's a great character. I think he's a really well-designed uh, uh, shocker mutant. And um, it starts shows the, it starts to show the, uh, the injection of, of a larger budget into this phase of the series where everything starts to become yes. sort of mm-hmm. smoothed out and, and, uh, and everything is, is, is sort of uniform. Um, and you see the monsters uh, start to look uh, a lot better than previous ones that might have been uneven. You get one good one and one okay one, and now you're yeah. getting a little more a little more. Yeah, better we've designs. talked about that, right? And so um, mm-hmm. you know we've got that. Yeah, he's he's definitely better than just a mask and spandex. Right, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but nothing is better than Musasa Bido. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Flying squirrels, man. That's where it's at. Um, but you know, you also have you also have, uh-huh. new, you, you also have the new uh, the new cyclone is introduced in this episode. So you can see the changes mm-hmm. that are being done that uh, mm-hmm. you know follow through all the way to the final oh. final episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, let me ask you this, August. Uh, Blue Nova did a video actually on the, this kind of stretch of episodes up until about the last dozen or so. So right. pretty much like all the way up to like episode 88, 89, 90, somewhere around there. Basically the next 30 or so episodes. 
And right. he made the argument that he feels like this stretch, you know, when Hongo comes back is, in his opinion, definitive common rider. Because this is when everything that people tend to associate with common rider all starts to happen. The shocker right. goons, as we see in this one, get another change. And now they're wearing their skeleton outfits, which gets emulated in things like you know, Super Inframan. Exactly. And, and then Super Inframan had an influence on Mystery Science Theater because then they introduced the skeleton crew when they went to right. Netflix that was inspired by Super Inframan. So it's kind right. of vicariously inspired by Common Rider. And, right. uh, you know... Uh, as we're about as we're about to see in this, Hongo now has a henshin pose and mm -hmm. transformation, which he didn't right. have before. They started that with Hayato, you know, and, and so all of these things start coming together. So, do you agree with that assessment? Is like this next stretch of thirty or so or episodes, this era of the show, is this the definitive common writer? Yes, it really is. It's you know they've got they've got everything working uh, together. In, in such a way where it's seamless now. Um, and, uh, you know, you have the introduction of the new uh, costume for Kamen Rider 1, or now as he's de designated in this part of the series, Shin Kamen Rider Ichigo, or new Kamen Rider 1. Um, and he mm -hmm. now has uh, two stripes down his uh, the side of his body on either side where Hongo or Ichimonji had one solid stripe. Uh, the new Hongo suit has two stripes down the side. That's to differentiate between Ichimonji's okay. version. And you have the silver gloves and silver boots. Um, the helmet uh, is uh, kind of a, a moss, uh, like a moss green and, and almost orange red eyes in, in this part. That's going to change a little later um, to where it does become the uh, quintessential design of Common Rider that Toei keeps using to now, uh, where the helmet goes to a little more metallic green than this flat moss, and that the eyes become a more of a, uh, a, a, a sort of a pale red as opposed to this kind of almost orange-looking eye in this, in this first batch of episodes that's coming down the pike. And you have, you know, the new bike that doesn't look like it was just, you know, it's falling apart, uh, which is great. It's my favorite cyclone. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, uh, yeah, all the pieces of the puzzle really start to come together for this phase of the series. And they were originally going to continue doing it past 98 episodes. They considered oh, that really? the ratings were still high. And then they, they decided like the networks, the sponsors and, and, you know, the staff and Ishimori productions and the toy staff were all, uh, you know, saying, you know, they just had many discussions, whether they should continue doing just common Rider or come up with a new character, you know, and introduce that. And there were even, a, there was even a plan to introduce a third writer into common Rider, and it'd still be called common uh -huh. Rider. Um, mm -hmm. and he would be mm -hmm. in the manga. Be, there was a third writer, right? You know, so Ishimori, we had a free hand to do, you know, the manga, the way he, he saw. So he explored stuff like that was way outside of, a, you know, the series. He told his own story, obviously mm -hmm. with that. You know, even though it was a support, what they call a support manga or a tie-in manga, which means that the manga didn't exist before the TV show per se. The show was developed first, and then the manga came out of the development of the right. show to promote the broadcast of the show. 
Yeah, from what I've read, the the kind of sequence of events was that Toei goes to Ishinomori and says, "Hey, we have we want to create a a new TV show, a new Tokusatsu show. Can you help us design the character?" And he kind of models it after Skull Man and and creates this idea. And then while they're developing the show, he goes and writes the manga that would you know tie in with it and so it's kind of like you know it's why fans are always arguing over which one comes first because one came out first but the show actually the the manga came out first but the show was actually already in development right by the time the manga come out it's just that he was able to put out the manga faster than they were able to put out the yeah yeah, right (laughs) The, the first meetings they had to construct the show before ishimori was brought on board uh, there were already meetings going on with a number of different writers that uh, eventually contributed to the show. But um, it, with Mr. Hirayama, the aforementioned producer, creative producer, Mr. Hirayama at the head, developed some ideas as early as 1970. And so they were well into this before Ishimori was brought on board. And, uh, and mm-hmm. uh, they basically hired Ishimori to contribute story ideas or, you know, concepts that might, you know, uh, go into the final development and to visualize what they were, what they were driving at. And there were a num- number of different plans. Like one of the earlier ones, instead of being a motocross racer, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, Hongo, uh, was going to be a professional bowler. <laughs> what? Oh, wow. <laughs> what? Come in bowler, come yeah. in bowler. <laughs> and the name of the show was all over the place. There was, there was like different names, like crossfire was one name for the character. And then, uh, eventually, uh, they, they settled when they finally came up with the, uh, the design for common We're going to see a little crossfire in this episode, actually. <laughs> All these people I just, that to just dawned on me how fantastic that was. So yes, but anyhow, uh, no, yeah, it, it it's all really fascinating. I I'm I'm just so fascinated with with uh, Ishinomori and how the show kind of mm-hmm. got started. I, I have mm-hmm. the the collection that they put out fairly recently of the right. the manga because I mm-hmm. I've just been really fascinated to read mm-hmm. through all of that. So it's it's been great. I love I love hearing about it. Yeah, our friends over at the Giant Size Violence podcast refer to Shinomori and I don't know if this is the is necessarily a one-to-one comparison but they call them the Japanese Stan Lee hmm. because of all the things that he created and how prolific and popular they were right right I don't know I think I would kind of like maybe compare him to you know like uh, Kirby you know yeah because, I think a Jack Kirby, I was thinking better comparison yeah but that's just, mm-hmm. you know, my personal yeah. preference, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, even the, even his art is very Kirby-esque in, when is. you look at some of the, the, like, the way he does the technology and stuff is very Kirby-esque. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but that's beside the point. Yeah, yeah let's, let's talk about this point. episode. Well, uh, I love, and uh, it's, I, I have to credit Blue Nova for pointing this out to me. So we, you know, we get a proper reintroduction to Hongo in this and it starts just like the first episode where he's doing a time trial on the motorcycle with Tachibana. Right. <laughs> it's a really great bookend, yeah. I feel like. You know, so it's it's kind of like calling back it's like, hey, remember when he when he was first on the show? Mm-hmm. Where is he? We got him back. 
Just like old times. Yeah, I like I like that the show remembers what Hongo's job outside of being common writer is, which is right. racer, but always seem to forget what what Ichimonji's uh, job was, which was photographer, until it plot wise depended on it. Okay, Travis. You and we've already established that there is a memory hole where things are getting thrown into. So there's this little pocket dimension with all these weird odds and ends like Taki's wife that gets thrown in there and forgotten. <laughs> right. Yeah. The show completely forgot that Taki got married in the first in his introduction. And we're just going to ignore the fact that that. Yeah. We're, anyway, pocket well, dimension, you know, memory hole. Um, right. You know, it's interesting about Taki. Is that, is that, you know, he was going to be a one-off character and that was all you were going to ever get the, of him. But he, I guess he reacted, uh, his, what he had done made such an impression, uh, that, uh, the staff was like, Hey, you know, since we have to get a new guy to play the new common writer, you know, maybe we should bring this guy in as like to support this new writer, um, and, uh, make the show a little mm. more action oriented. And the funny thing is, is that, that actor who played Taki is uh, Jiro Chiba, the brother, the real life brother of Sonny Chiba. I don't know if you guys. Oh knew my that. gosh, <laughs> that's oh, his real I life didn't. brother. Yeah, and he was a member of the Japan that. action. He was a member of the Japan Action Club, which you know did all the stunts in the Super Sentai series, and wow. uh, they did all the trampoline stunts oh for Kamen Riders. And um, and uh, Jiro Chiba originally auditioned to play Hongo. No wonder. Oh wow. That, yeah, it all makes sense now. Because I've been joking that uh, that this guy lo- had to be superhuman because he's doing, st- yeah. including this episode, he's doing stunts that are akin to a common Rider. And I will admit, as the uber noob on this, when he was first introduced and I knew that Hongo was going to be gone for a while and in some upcoming episodes, I was, I was so certain that Taki was going to be the new writer. I was so certain. And I ended up being very wrong, but apparently in the manga, he becomes a writer. Right. You know, so, you know, it's, it's just, there's all these fun facts behind the scenes on this show that, uh, you know, I've written about, um, and, uh, that was never published. You know, I used to do a magazine called Markalite back in the nineties. And, uh, we got long story short, you know, our, our publisher ran away with everything <laughs> overnight and we never put out that common writer issue, which was camera oh. ready and sent to the publisher. And the whole the issue was devoted to the making of the original common writer with all the background information, complete episode guide, complete cast and actors guide and, and more. And it never got published. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things that I have found really frustrating when going through this show is that a lot of there's a lot of resources in Japanese for behind the scenes stuff for this show, but there's not a lot of stuff in English. And I would I just have been thinking about that. I would love to have a resource that was in English that could just kind of share all that. But uh, I I know a small semi small uh fanzine publisher who would be happy to have that I was gonna say. Uh, 
Uh, call a little one called Kaiji Ramen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, what we're saying is, when we're done recording, let's talk. Anyway, yeah, okay, so, so yeah, your so people good. can get in touch with my people. And <laughs> yes, yes. So since we were already talking yes. about him in our previous segment, let's talk about Ambassador Hell, our yes. new commandant, uh, or as I put down, yeah. Serpentor? <laughs> That's what I wrote too. I was like, they hired Serpentor from G.I. Joe to be on the show. Yay! <laughs> Although I think he's supposed to be Egyptian. I can't tell. I'm looking. I was like, is he a snake? Is he a mummy? Is he both? Well, he does transform <laughs> into a snake monster in the future. So I think he's a little bit of both. Okay, uh, Serpentor. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's Serpentor. Um, I also didn't think they could beat the name Dr. Death or Dr. Shinigami, <laughs> but Ambassador Hell, man, like, yeah. how, what? <laughs> yeah, Ambassador Hell, not to be confused with, and here's a deep cut for you heroes of the internet. If you get this, you are a nerd among nerds, not to be confused with Commander Hell. Yes. Hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, we have this new villain who is just, he, this actor, I thought Amamoto hammed it up when he played Dr. Shinigami, yeah. but the, the actor who plays Ambassador Hell is so hammy. It, <laughs> he's borderline kabuki in the way he just fully leans into the acting yeah. uh, and, right. the, and the mannerisms and stuff that he does. Yeah. Uh, kind of like we were before we started recording, we were talking about the, uh, the 1995 street fighter movie that right. is elevated by Raul Julia, who put more effort and thought into the character of M Bison than I think anybody else would like he was doing research on real life dictators from history to work on his mannerisms and everything and he just fully embraces that role so i'm, I'm guessing right. you're saying the same thing about this fellow with ambassador hell ambassador hell <laughs> now i have to ask does ambassador hell have mind reading powers because there is a scene where Hongo is kind of thinking something and having an internal <laughs> monologue. And then immediately ambassador hell's voice comes in and says, yes, I am the, you know, it's like, oh, were you reading his that, mind? I thought that was Jaguar man. And I was confused. <laughs> yeah. He probably, you know, they, it's, it's, it's really crazy. Well, since, you know, since shocker built common rider, they probably have, you know, the frequency to, <laughs> Hongo's brain circuit. <laughs> so he probably tapped in. Come in, come in, Radio Common Rider, Radio Common Rider. <laughs> wow, listen to uh, listen to August. No prize. This. <laughs> it's tune in. That's they never use it. There's again. a lot of things in this show <laughs> where they use it once and never do use it again. Also, did anyone notice that this the story in this episode is basically maximum overdrive with pets? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, or Day of the Animals with yeah. Day of the Animals with Dave, Leslie Nielsen, you know, where he fights, or he bare-chestedly yeah. fights a bear in a thunderstorm. 
I think that I is the kidding. textbook definition of machismo right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what Zangief from Street Fighter does. He's like, in modo Russia, we wrestle bears every day. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, now earlier we did mention Crossfire. Oh, no. <laughs> Right. <laughs> uh, we did mention Crossfire earlier, and uh, I kind of said that we get a little bit of that in this episode because for the yep. for what I think it's what I think is the first time Hongo is actually tied to the cross that we we mention a lot in this in this I, show because right. uh, they do it a lot. Okay, okay. I just want to yep. point this out because I always I flip out a little bit every time this happens. Okay. Subaraya, Eiji Subaraya was a Japanese Catholic. So it actually makes sense that we would have Ultraman getting crucified. It, but it's like Toei looked at that and said, hey, we're going to do it even more than the than the Catholic guy in our show. <laughs> it's just, well, it's so nuts. So, and then, but then Shocker's like, "Oh, you know what? Crucifixion's too good for you, Hongo. You traitor. How about uh, we also crucify you and do a burning at the stake?" <laughs> there that we works. Go. <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing is that uh, historically, yep. uh, in J- medieval Japan, they did crucifixion as a form of torture and execution uh mm-hmm. and that was oh wow yeah and uh they would also burn people on a crucifix so oh. they wouldn't nail anyone they would tie their they would tie their hands and feet to the crucifix and you know they would mm-hmm. either use yachty yachty or long spears uh they would use spears to you know gut them or uh or burn them mm-hmm. they used it, they use it a lot in toy shows it's in everything in that in this period of time, you know, and even into the into the early '80s, it happens a lot in Super Sentai, the early Super Sentai stuff, and it you know it happens in almost every dang show in this in the '70s from Toei. <laughs> so you know, and yep. it's it's all over the place. You know, it's like it's mm-hmm. a cru- It's like a big crucifixion sale. <laughs> but I love that that uh, Shocker is stays stays true to what Shocker does and brands the cross that they're using that, with their that's logo. That's how you know. That's how you know you're true supervillains when you can brand everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hydra does it. Yeah. So why not? The Shocker sales force tower. Yeah. now i'm just picturing commander hell walking around saying welcome to kaijin r us (laughs) oh no it's build a kaijin that's what it it's build a kaijin so you build a kaijin (laughs) it's like what kind of a kaijin do you want to make today (laughs) and everyone knows that microsoft is run by shocker Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, one of the funny things that I thought was with the with the the burning of Hongo at the cross was that when Taki comes to rescue him and gets him off, they leap down and they start to fight sh- the shocker people, the shocker goons, and it's Hongo who fights the goons and Taki who immediately goes after the jaguar monster, the jaguar man. And I'm like 
shouldn't those roles be reversed? Would Hongo, why are you going after the goons and not the cyborg monster man? It was in Taki's contract. He's got confidence and uh, he's got confidence in Taki. You know, Taki's got like miracle FBI training and gadgets and miracle drugs. So and a really good agent. <laughs> Yes. Yes. So we love on this show when they introduce a new writer move. And this one has to be one of the best new writer moves that they introduce mm-hmm. in this in the series. Rider the, the head rider, crusher. Rider head crusher. <laughs> that totally sounds like a pro wrestling move right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is it is <laughs> oh uh, any any other um any other notes that you guys want to mention before we move on to our awards well i did i hinted at it before but taki does a you know backflips off a cliff like it's nothing so like how are you not superhuman though yeah. we get a few yeah. little changes right. here yeah you know, like we have a we have a new mid card for the credits oh not credits for mm-hmm. the commercial break mm-hmm so, you know, so they're like, we're going to change things up a little bit here. Right. And then also, uh, you know, uh, we have the departure in the last episode of writer girl Mika, who was played by Yoko Sugabayashi. Mm-hmm. And uh, in this episode, she's replaced by the new incoming writer girl Toko, played by Machiko Nakajima. Mm-hmm. So she mm-hmm. pops mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. And- Will you guys judge me harshly if I say I didn't even notice that they replaced one of them? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the writer girls are doing even less than they did before. At least when they were showing up, they were comic relief and not they weren't contributing anything to the story. But at least they were comic relief. Now I just feel like they're there. <laughs> the only thing that I'll bring up the, that uh, any note of substance that I have here before we get to the awards is it just me or does Hongo seem a bit less broody now? Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. that was the thing that distinguished Hayato. We talked about this a lot. Hayato is much a much happier guy where Hongo right. was very broody <laughs> in those right. first 13 episodes. Yeah, the producers were looking at the uh, first 13 episodes and saying to themselves, they were going like, well, how can we kind of improve the show in the next phase uh, with a different actor? And they said, well, we should lighten the mood of the show. So that was that was a purposeful thing to bring in uh, Ichimanji to be a, uh, a much uh, lighter character than Hongo was in the first 13. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like they're carrying that over a little bit. It seems like Hongo is, he's lightened up a bit. He's still a little broody. Yeah, right. it is moments in this episode. I'm curious to see go- going forward after this what the you know what he's going to be like. But you know, he does seem to be you know he seems to have recovered a little bit from what happened to him in those first 13 episodes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. August. Before we move into the awards, you you, you had some notes from from the episodes that we had previously covered. I know we've. You've shared some of that with us. Are there any? Is there anything else you would like to share with us and the rest of the heroes of the internet, based on what you've heard us talk about before? Since you're such a wealth of knowledge with this. No, thanks. I appreciate <laughs> that. Um, yeah, the first thing is is that Yoko Shimada's character was Hiromi in those in the early episodes. There. Mm. Um, anyway, that's right. So we got that out of the way. I had, I had a 
Yeah, I could never remember yeah. her name, but yeah, I knew who she was when I saw her. But yeah, so there were some notes that, you know, I was listening to previous episodes. We kind of covered the whole thing with the shocker cyborgs, the Kaijin, Kaizo Ningen, mm-hmm. and then, you know, mm-hmm. Goro Ishikura being uh, just some kid that showed up one day <laughs> and started hanging out at Tachibata yes. res- uh, Racing. Yeah, yeah, yeah but a common <laughs> Kenny, we call him. <laughs> <laughs> and we... Uh, <laughs> And then we just, you know, touched on uh, professional wrestling. And so in, in Japan, professional mm-hmm. wrestling uh, became famous in, in or popular in the 1950s. It single-handedly sold more televisions than any other advertising gimmick in Japan. <laughs> there was Pro wrestling became so popular, it filled stadiums, I mean, big stadiums. And there was even uh, in some of the train stations, uh, outside some of the train stations in Japan, they would set up a television and uh, like a thousand people would gather to watch wrestling in front of a train station. Wow. Right. And so and they would bring oh, wow. over American wrestlers and they were all heels mostly. You know, they brought uh, they brought in Mexican wrestlers and then you get mass wrestling coming in in, in Japan. So um in the United States, we all kind of look ironically at professional wrestling. We know it's it's fake. And in the uh, older days mm-hmm. of wrestling, in the 50s and 60s, it was sort of almost like a carny attraction. And it was kind of considered mm-hmm. very lowly. And people that liked it mm-hmm. would be akin to people in, that had something to do with trailers and parks. Not mm-hmm. that, you know, that not very nice things were thought about uh, professional wrestling. In, in those days. It, but in Japan, it's funny because common people, so, so, so called common people don't really care for wrestling. And the people that are really into wrestling are educated people and intellectuals. <laughs> wow. They wow. see, they see the, they see the entertainment value in it somehow. And most people go, yeah, professional wrestling, that's for weirdos. Uh, <laughs> You know, in in the back in those <laughs> days, so you know you would have things like government officials showing up to matches, and so uh, you know having a, a government official show up in in the, the Pyrrhosaurus episode wouldn't be so far fetched, and uh, you know at also at the time uh, one of the most popular animated series uh, that was based on a manga uh, that took Japan by storm before Common Rider, another masked hero, was uh, Iki Kawa, uh, Kajiwara's Tiger Mask. Uh, mm-hmm, which was a mm-hmm. super popular manga and mm-hmm. animated series. Yes. Uh, and the manga ran for like 14 volumes and 105 TV, TV episodes and was one of the hallmark. Mm-hmm. One of the hallmarks of, of Tiger Mask was the weird and bizarre villains. That was an influence on, mm-hmm. on Kamen Rider. And the, the, the manga for Tiger Mask first was published in, in 1968 and quickly was so popular that it became an animated series in 69 and was running when Common mm. Rider was still on the air when Common Rider started. So uh, yeah, mm. that's pretty much what I wanted to impart on uh, mm-hmm. the touching on the professional wrestling and Common Rider. So there, and the other thing mm. is the the wrestling influence on Common Rider. Yeah, the, the shocker, the first you know shocker mutants and uh, the grunts, the the commandos or the goons, you know, wear the big like old championship belt buckles. You know, so yeah, that kind of that comes from you know that is a direct influence mm-hmm. from, from professional wrestling and also kind of like, you know, uh, reflects, uh, the, the, uh, the henching belt on Rider one and two in a way. Oh, 
That makes sense. Is that also why the shocker goons wear basically lucha masks? Yeah, that comes directly from like guys like the American wrestlers, like the Destroyers, and uh, that that mm-hmm. became heels, big famous heels in Japan. And then the guys that came in from Mexico, like Mil Mascaras and uh, El Santo, uh, that were lucha libre wrestlers. So that's the whole shocker when they decided to go from the uh, the beret grunts to the uh, mass grunts was also because they could just keep using the same, you know, the same stunt team guys over and over and over. Yeah. So you wouldn't go, I, that guy, they killed him last in the last scene. Why is he still up and fighting? <laughs> so it just gave them a, <laughs> yeah. you know, the opportunity to flex a little more uh, larger, make it seem like they had a larger cast of shocker grunts. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. And now uh, is that all you have? Oh, there were other things, but you know, <laughs> We've already, I've already overextended my welcome, man. There's a lot of other things like we can talk about, like the stunt actors who, who the suit actors who play Common Rider. We'll save that for another one, maybe if you, if I, if I haven't worn oh, okay. out my welcome. I guess we will move on to the awards now, but I, I guess we have incentive to have you back on, Mister Ragone. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. All right, uh, we'll talk. We'll talk. Our people will call your people, and by that yes, I mean us. But anyway, yes, sir. <laughs> well, let's go on to the award. So these are fun little awards that we give out for certain facets of whatever episodes of TV or on occasion movies that we discuss. And our first award is the Henshin Kick for the best stunt or fight scene. Normally we would let the guest go first, but uh, I don't know if you have a candidate for (laughs) for this August. Do you have one? Well, I'd like to hear yours first. Okay. The mine goes to Hongo's first fight as a returning star to the show. We get to see his henshin pose and transformation for the first time. And then that whole action sequence that comes after that with the motorcycle squad and, you know, it's got lots of chases and explosions. It's just the whole thing. I just wrote down. She's like, just welcome back, Hongo. It was glorious. Absolutely glorious. Yeah, yeah. It was great. I do have to say, though, as much as I like having Hongo back, I still prefer the first Common Rider suit that he wears versus this new one. Um, I like the racing stripes. I like the stripes down the arms, but I do miss the the longer scarf and the helmet I like better on the older suit. So that's just personal preference for me, but but it is nice to have Hongo mm-hmm, back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What did you have, Travis? What was your nominee? Um, so mine goes down to an actual stunt. There was a there was a stunt that they did where they 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 have a motorcycle. It's one of the goons mm-hmm. that's riding a motorcycle, uh, runs down the hill and catches on <laughs> fire and it just bursts into flames as it's rolling down the hill. And they have an actual. Uh, uh, I don't know if it was a just a stunt double that was that was there with the motorcycle or whether it was an actual like stunt dummy. I don't really, I can't really tell. But that stunt and that special effect, I thought was really great. Just the way that they did that, so that that was good. But my my honorable mention goes to Doctor Shinigami fighting Hongo and and. Hongo, when he is fighting, like you see that he is he's fully able to handle himself and he puts his whole body into every punch and kick that he does. So that's my two. Mm. (laughs) Well, I happen to agree with both of you. 
So that kind of cuts to the chase, you know. That kind of like, you know, saves a lot of time. <laughs> I agree with both of your assessments and what your, what your picks are. <laughs> but, you know, it's like I watch any of these episodes and uh, especially when you get into this this part of the series and it's like they're just – it's just more goodness one after the other of episodes of, mm-hmm. you know, beautiful common writer goodness. So, uh, you know, I love, it, I love it all, you know. And those, those points you made yeah. are only mm-hmm. – you know, or highlights of the episodes. Yeah. And, and this award we like to usually, we will usually give out, or at least for me, I'll usually give to stunts that I know must've been super difficult for the stunt uh, right. crew to do because, you know, there are, there. this is the seventies. So, you know, a lot of the safety measures aren't there right. that we have nowadays. And uh, another one, just to give kind of a, a, a third option here, when, uh, Hongo is in the middle of all of these speeding motorcycles and they're just running past him. And it's like, you know, for a guy who was injured in a motorcycle accident, having a bunch of motorcycles right. speeding towards you, even if you know that it is just right. a stunt, that's got to be a mm-hmm. scary moment. <laughs> yeah. And you're going to see a lot more of it as the episodes progress with motorcycles yeah. surrounding Hongo and more motorcycle oh, chases yeah. and whatnot, you know, so mm-hmm. we're going to get even more of that as we move into the, you know, the Gel Shocker yeah. episodes. Oh, no. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. And then our next award is Talkin' Toku for the best special effect. Mine goes to the Gilcrow suit. I just, I love the suit. It's a great Kaijin design. It's a well-made suit. Just a great, just character all around. I was very impressed. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, for mine, uh, it's it's a simple effect, not super hard to do, but I loved it because of the character and how it was used. But just Dr. Shinigami appearing in the mirror of, at the pet store was such a great yeah, little special effect that they did. And I, I just I loved it. It's so creepy. Yeah, it's a good one. And uh, for me, it's uh, the Jaguar man suit. Mm, mm-hmm. I just love the design. Mm, that I one was in one. contention, I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's this is the phase where the, the monster suits start becoming a lot better. Yeah. Uh, because of the uh, the increased budget that the show garnered from, you know, taking care of its sponsors, man. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you can really tell. You can really tell the suits are getting uh, better and better because uh, we don't have as many uh, uh, bee woman oh uh, type suits as <laughs> showing oh. up in uh, these episodes. Bee woman, like bee woman and Musasa Beto, man. It's just like those are the two that get referenced more than anything else because, uh, <laughs> well, bee cups. Hey-ho! <laughs> <laughs> All right. And, uh, you know, speaking of one-liners, <laughs> it's time for coming at you for the best line. Mine is actually uh, Gilcrow once more. He says, now receive the baptism of the dead man gas. <laughs> it's a, just a great villain line. Such a, great a great villain line, line right there. Such a great, yeah, such a great villain line. Uh, my award goes to my favorite line of this of, of both these episodes, and and I just I I think I squealed <laughs> like a little girl when it happened. You fangirl, which was when Hongo 
<laughs> I fangirled so hard for this when when Hongo shows up when they pull back the thing and it, it's revealed that Hongo is there and and Hongo says Hayato Ichimonji is not the only common rider. And I was like, <laughs> and, and then what do you? Well, have I think August? it's uh, Gil Crow and. Uh... <laughs> It's one of those things, it's kind of like almost like a, a TV, late night TV commercial, which is, and this is mm-hmm. not the, this is not the Shout Factory subs, but uh, mm-hmm. because the dead man gas turns humans into homicidal maniacs, but that's not all. <laughs> that's not all. <laughs> but wait, there's more. And Ichimanji says, that's not all. And Gilgara says... <laughs> The dead man gas comes with a special <laughs> effect which paralyzes cyborgs. <laughs> that is good. I hadn't thought of that. That is Shut very up. much an infomercial. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I you know, as much as I I love that the the two that Tubi and Shout Factory have made this show available. I have to say that sometimes the the subtitles that we get in this show they don't they don't serve the characters right. all that well because there's been a few times where uh, Ichimonji has has come off kind of a kind right. of like a doofus in in some of the lines but I know that it's more of a translation right. thing than than a, uh, yeah. a mm-hmm. character thing mm-hmm. and now we move on to one of my favorite awards on the show WTH what the henshin for the craziest moment and mine is ones that we've uh, is actually a couple of moments that we I had a runner up and they've all been things that we've talked about already. One is and I thought it was Jaguar Man, not Ambassador Hell, unfortunately, because I saw Jaguar Man right after that. But uh, we talked about it. You know, uh, Ambassador Hell could uh, you know hear Hongo's internal monologue and then respond to it. I was just like, what the heck just happened here? But <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say the reason why I think I, I was I thought I thought it was Ambassador Hell was later on in the episode. There is a moment where Hongo is thinking to himself again, having that internal monologue, and then Ambassador Hell shows up kind of mm-hmm. as like a vision you know there right. in front of him and so that's why i was like i thought oh okay so ambassador hell's the one ah. with this with this kind of like thought speak mm-hmm. ability mm-hmm. and then my runner-up was what you already talked about travis which was pull back the the sheet hongo because i was not expecting it <laughs> and like i said anytime hongo makes yep. a guest appearance it makes me happy <laughs> I just love having Hongo back. It just, you know, it's like the Doctor Who coming when David Tennant returns from as as Doctor Who, and it's like, did you miss uh-huh. me? It's like, yes, for sure. <laughs> I had two. I had two. One we've already mentioned, which is, you know, uh, Doctor Shinigami has a scythe. I was like, that was so crazy. Um, but the one that took the award for me was the security guard at the zoo after coming face to face with Jaguar man goes back to his office and is talking to, I guess what he thinks is his partner who is sitting with a, just a black hood. <laughs> um, not, not 
raising any red flags, okay, and just talking to him about this crazy thing he just saw. And he says, I, can you believe that I just saw this, this, this crazy monster out there? And the man in the black hood says, yes, I can, I can believe it because I've seen him too. I see him every time I look in the mirror and he pulls back the hood and it's Jaguar man. And it's this crazy moment of dude, who did you think you were having a conversation with this whole time? <laughs> it was just nuts. As I, I was going to say, are you nuts, eating nuts? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I had to put a cracker in my mouth. Oh, I, I, <laughs> I'm sorry, but no, yeah, it was just, it was so nuts. All right. And August, what is, what was the zaniest moment in these two episodes for you? Well, I think I'll uh, come up with my runner-up first. We'll do it. We'll do mm-hmm. the runner-up to two and one. So that would be Hongo's comeback. Would be mm-hmm. the runner-up. Uh, number two is, of course, Shinigami Shinigami Scythe, because that was mm-hmm. just badass. It's like, wait a minute, mm-hmm. from a wheelchair to a scythe. Come on, that was just great. Mm-hmm. And then my number one, <laughs> my number one, what the henshin moment is. <laughs> The crow blowing up in the cage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> You've heard of spontaneous combustion? Here's spontaneous explosions. <laughs> I swear, I think they went through a few different crows <laughs> when filming that episode. And then the <laughs> question becomes, were any animals harmed in the making of this motion picture? <laughs> uh, no comment. Um <laughs> Toy officially says no comment, uh, but yeah, the crow going like nuts in the cage before that when they when their parents are talking about getting rid of it when the dad's going they got to get rid of this thing that crow is not happy in that cage in that tiny little cage so that but but it exploding that would be that would no be, no he yeah, is not that would have been my pick would like <laughs> this animal going nuts while they're trying to contain it on a set. <laughs> But then when it blew up, that just topped that. So. <laughs> I mean, we couldn't have a Henshinman episode without talking about the weird things they do with animals on this show. Because, I mean, this show has a long and storied history of <laughs> animals being put in weird and not so <laughs> particularly great rabbits. This show, the last few episodes, has had a thing for killing rabbits. <laughs> oh they just love the experimenting on rabbits it's good, it's good that they moved away from puppies <laughs> puppies and virgins they are draining the blood yeah. of puppies and virgins yeah. <laughs> but uh, from that to a murder of crows <laughs> you know i never even put that together that the crow is the one causing people to murder themselves i've been sitting on that joke for at least two minutes (laughs) (laughs) i thought you were gonna say two hours (laughs) not quite that long i didn't think of it until two minutes ago and i'm a little disappointed with myself Uh, I like the Counting Crows oh, yeah. reference there. Big Russ later on in his career moved on to becoming the founding member of the Counting Crows. 
<laughs> All right, yeah. gentlemen. And with that, it is now time to move on to Minute to Henshin It. <laughs> this is the part of the show where each of us will give our final thoughts in one minute or less. The, would you like to go first or last, Mr. Ragone? I'll go last. Those are the places of honor on this show. You go last? Okay. Travis, I will defer to you as the founder of Henshin Men. Okie dokie. And so you're going you're gonna to keep track of my time? I got it. I always do. I always do. Okay. All right. All right. On your mark, get set, go. I love these episodes, obviously, because as a big fan of Hongo, having him come back to the show is great. Uh, I'm sad that we're not going to see uh, Ichimonji anymore, but having Hongo back just brings this show to a ne- to a new level. Like we said, now is where the show hits its stride. It becomes the common writer that we all know and love and becomes the best example of itself. Wow, 31 seconds. You are a pro at this. All right. All right. I'll go next. On my mark, get set, go. Actually, to correct you a little bit on that, Travis, and I'm sure August, if I'm wrong, August can can correct me. Uh, Hayato is actually is going to come back a few times before the end of the show, from what I understand. Yeah, but still... (laughs) I understand. I understand. But one of the things I have to give this show credit, because I know for a lot of people, when I tell them that the original Common Rider is 98 episodes, and that feels really daunting when most tokusatsu shows are half that length. But one of the things that I think is a tremendous strength of this show is that they always find a, you know good times to kind of reinvent themselves a little bit and we have another one of those reinventions with hongo coming back and the introduction of ambassador hell and then some other little tweaks that they made to it that really like you said make this quite possibly the most definitive version of this show <laughs> right on time <laughs> right on time all right yeah as for me Okay, well, uh, give me just a second, August. All right, on your mark, get set, go. Well, the Gilgaross episode is great. A nice, solid episode wrap-up from that phase of the series. My money is on, uh, you know, the episode with Jaguar Man. It leads into the new phase of the series, like as I said earlier, with the new Common uh, Rider suit, uh, the Cyclone, uh, the new monsters, and uh, pretty much a congealing of all the different elements of the past uh, phases of Common Rider into what makes it a legendary series. And I recommend both episodes to everyone, and they should just themselves if they don't want to watch them. Oh, hot dang, hot dang. And you got that done in about, uh, about uh, I'd say about 35. So <laughs> you're a pro at this too. But <laughs> Thank you. Well, once again, before we uh, before we get to the credits, I just want to reiterate, thank you so much, Mr. Ragone, for coming on and joining us for this momentous episode of our podcast for a pair of momentous episodes of this show. And uh, if you ever want to come back, we'd love to have you you back. I really appreciate the opportunity uh, and uh, your your hospitality and your enthusiasm on uh, Common Rider and uh, being cool. Being cool guys, man. Thanks a lot so much. <laughs> Thanks a lot so much. <laughs> uh, 
Well, thank you so much for being on here. And uh, thank you guys for listening to The Henshin Men, a tokusatsu appreciation podcast. You can find links to all of our social media in the description of this episode. You can listen to more of me on the Kaiju Weekly podcast and listen to more of Nathan on the Monster Island Film Vault and the Power Trip, a podcast about power rangers so if you're a fan of tokusatsu go check those out and also where can people find you august uh right now they can find me on the corner of sixth and market uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah <laughs> but uh, uh but uh yeah yeah but seriously folks um i have a blog which is you know, on a hiatus right now which is the good the bad and godzilla uh, and, uh, and I ran that for about 10 years. It's kind of on a hiatus cause I'm trying to focus on, on publishing, uh, physical publishing projects and, uh, and also on mm-hmm. uh, Facebook and, um, and Twitter, uh, under my own real name. And if listeners, if you found some enjoyment from this podcast, consider giving us a five-star rating on iTunes, Spotify, and Podchaser, because you can rate us on there. And if you leave a review on iTunes, uh, we will read it out on the podcast. And until next time, what are we going to say, Nathan? Dr. Shinigami is gone, which is good because he was really getting under Common Rider's henshin. (laughs) 